So for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of visitors today. My name is Dave Ringheim. I'm on the SLT here. And because Jason's away, we've been taking turns um, sharing the message. Um, and today, I wanted to pick up where Blair um, sort of left off last week. What he had to say really um, encouraged me of kind of the way he unpacked the passage that he was preaching on. You know, for those who weren't here, you're going to be a little bit behind. But uh, But basically what Blair was talking about was God's call on our lives. And he spoke of when Jesus was walking along the sea and he called some apostles off, off their boats as they were fishing, how um, unexpected a call it was for them. And he did a really good job of unpacking sort of the history of Jewish teaching culture and how these students, or these fishermen who would have been students, um, really probably had given up on being called into the ministry full-time. And when Jesus came to them and said, drop your nets and follow me, it wasn't exactly expected. And if anything, it was probably a pretty inconvenient time. They're sitting out in their boats fishing, most likely with their fathers, and uh, all of a sudden they just say, all right, Pops, we'll see you later. I'm going to follow this guy. I have no idea who he is, but he said, follow him, so I'm going to follow him. Um, I think that was lost on me at one point, that you know, God calls us when he calls us. It's not always the way I want it to be. It doesn't, I think back to when I became a Christian, it was probably the most inopportune time in my life to be called by God. Um, no family of mine was Christian. To become a Christian was like, you know, that's weird. That's, you're starting, you're joining a cult. So I kind of understand where these fishermen were coming from to some extent. Um, so that's where we left off last week. This week, um, I just kind of want to pick up on there. Everyone that's here today, most likely, has made a choice to accept Christ. They've answered, you've answered that call. I've answered that call for him to be Lord of my life. Um, so there's, we're kind of all here together thinking of the same things, but what's the next step from here is kind of what I want to talk about. We've been called by God. What does he expect of us? So it's opportune that uh, the Ecuador mission is here today. Um, Part of, partly why I chose to speak on this. It's really encouraging for me to see, um, especially the fact that of the six people, 12 or six of the 12 people, six of them are youth. They're surrendering their lives to God's will. Um, it's not easy to go overseas, to go to Ecuador, to go to an unknown country, an unknown language, uh, food, heat, all that stuff. Um, it takes a lot of faith to just give in to God's will. So that's what I want to talk about today, um, is after the call, what's the next step? I've got a bunch of verses that I've pulled out uh, about God's desire for us um, and the work that he wants us to do. It's, this is just a fraction of what's in the Bible, but I'm going to go through them pretty quick, and then we're going to jump back into them and touch on a few points. So get out of the way so you can see. First one there from Genesis. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And as we go through these, it kind of, I'll read them one after another. It, it starts to tell a story of, of God, God's desire for, our, for his people through the Bible. 
from Isaiah, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Jeremiah 29. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because it is because if it prospers, you too will, you too will prosper. From Luke 24. This is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things, and look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. John 20. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And in Matthew 24, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So there's probably a good chance you've heard all or most of those growing up as a Christian, or if you're new as a Christian, maybe this is all new. But but this is kind of what everybody preaches about. This is what we should be doing. This is what we should be doing. And I've heard it enough times that eventually... It's sort of just, I glazed over to it. You know, I know, I hear it, but do I really hear it? So when I was a student in college, you know, I, I studied all this, and, and it felt like, you know, I was missing the point. It seemed like I was really making it complicated. You know, what does God really want me to do? And as I went through these, I sort of, I broke it down. How simple is it? Is it simple? Is it complicated? So I went through, and I'm just going to pull out, you know, the parts that are most important in this. In the first one, you will be a blessing. He's talking to Abraham. You will be a blessing. The earth will be blessed through you. For me, that in that passage, that's what's the most important thing in there. In Isaiah, here am I, send me. God needs willing people to go. He wants us to be a blessing, but he needs us. In Jeremiah, Pray to the Lord for it. So he's talking about they're in exile, and God says, pray for the city that you're in. Pray for it, that it'll be prosperous. You're going to be there, whether you like it or not, especially in this situation. You know, we're here in Balfour, Nelson, Proctor. Um, They were in exile. They didn't get to choose. But God said, pray for it so it'll prosper, so that you can prosper. In Luke, he talks about um, the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all the nations. And the most important thing, you are a witness. You know, that's the thing that, that hits me on this is we're witnesses to what God's doing. Oops. There we go. Um, again, in Matthew, go and make disciples, baptize, teach. We've heard this, you know, Matthew 28 is probably the most, you know, when it comes to missions, this is the verse. It's a long verse. I know it. I've heard it, you know, but if you really just focus, Disciples, baptizing, teaching. That's it. Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 8. Be a witness. John 20. I'm going to send you. Matthew 24. Gospel of the kingdom will be preached 
and then the end will come. Um, you know, when, when you really just boil it down, it's quite simple. Be a witness, pray, and tell a story. Um, for the longest time, I tried to make it uh, a lot more than that, tried to make it more complex than that, and it really isn't. Um, we have a story. We've all been here. You can either tell the story of the Bible. You can tell the story of your life and how God um, has used you, has changed you, has challenged you. That's all it is. It's just telling a story of your faith in God's faith. Tom Schultz puts it this way. He says, God has equipped us with his Holy Spirit to tell our own story. The good, the bad, and the real. The best part is no one can argue with us. It's our story. When others realize you don't need a degree in evangelism, they become empowered to tell their own God story. It's not that complicated. I remember when I was in Bible college, I had a class. Um, it was called Personal Evangelism. And it was a good class. But my final exam was I had to walk into a room with my instructor and evangelize him. I had to walk in and say, you know, he played the part of a non-believer, a skeptical non-believer, and I had to come in and I had to say, here's the gospel, and this is how, this is why you should become a Christian. And I remember like studying, so I'm sitting there with notes the night before, like what am I going to say, how am I going to do this, how am I going to convince them, how am I going to get a good mark on this. And I went in, and you know, it's just me and him, and I'm just like sweating bullets because I don't want to fail, and if I fail this, then I'm a horrible Christian. You know, that's sort of the implement. That's sort of the gist of it, you know. If you put marks on it and you give it a yes or a no or a a fail or a pass, it's really stressful. And for me, you know, going forward, I got a lot of good stuff out of that class, but I look back to Bible college and it's like, man, that sucked. Like, that was horrible. And he had good intentions, but it's not like that in the real world. It's not win or lose. It's not about passing, getting a good grade. It's just about telling the story. You know, I remember being in there. I don't even remember what I said, and I don't remember what my mark was, but I remember it wasn't fun. So I sort of carried that through in my Christian faith. You know, every time I talk to someone, I either win or I lose. They either choose God or they think I'm an idiot. You know, how many people feel that way? And it's unfortunate because it's really not that hard to do. We just read, you know, it's not that complicated when you boil it down. Be a witness, pray, tell your story. If they don't believe, you've done nothing wrong. We put way too much emphasis on us and not enough on God. We're telling a story, it's God's story. It's not our story. So our job, our only job, is to tell it as it is and let God do the rest. I have never saved a single person by telling them my story. I've never evangelized anyone and brought them to God. I was just a small part of what God was doing in that moment. So, for those of you who know me, um, my heart is really for global mission. What I studied in school to do, I got a degree in international studies, with the intent that I was going to be a full-time missionary. 
And I loved it. I went on some short-term trips. It was exactly where God was calling me. Uh, when me and Mary Beth got married, we did a few short stints, South America, Europe. We ended up in Africa for a bit. And, and we came back after our living in Africa with full intentions of moving back. I was going to go on, do my master's degree, get some education, some extra education, because we were working for a translation organization. So that was the plan. Go to school, get my degree, go do missions. We did that for a bit. We came back. We were going to go back. That was eight years ago. So obviously, my desire and what I thought God's desire for my life was, that isn't where he has me right now. And I've struggled with that for eight years. You know, we came to Nelson or we came, we live in Proctor, but we came here eight or nine, maybe 10 years ago, I guess almost now. But um, for me to do a little bit of schooling while my wife, Mary Beth, uh, also did some schooling because she was in architecture and she, you know, there's not a lot of need for architecturally designed grass huts. So so she decided it would be good to uh, to get some experience in her field before we went back overseas. And like I said, that was eight years, well, that was more than ten years ago, and we've been here for eight years now. Um, and I'm wrestling still with that. My heart desires for me to, to go overseas and, and to do what we were doing. Uh, I see the value in it. I'm passionate about it. I'm envious of the Ecuador team getting to go. Um, but that's not what God has for me. So I've been wrestling with, you know, what does it mean to be a missionary here? in Proctor, where I live, and Nelson, where I work. Um, we've all heard that. I've heard it, and I just sort of always glossed over it. Yeah, they can all be missionaries here, but I'm a missionary. I go away. You know, that's my training. That's who I was. Um, so for me now, it's very clear, very apparent that God is not sending me away. It looks like I'm here for the foreseeable future. Um, so I've been wrestling with that and trying to figure out, well, what does that actually mean? Um, so I've been going back and forth, and for me, the only thing that I can tie activities to missions has been what I've done rather than what I'm doing here. And I think for me, it was always missionaries, the ones that go overseas, they're really spiritual, right? That's sort of the feeling that you get. They, I loved the adventure of going into a country where I didn't speak the language, living in you know, really desolate situations where, you know, you just might get gangue fever. Like, that sounds like fun to me, you know. <laughs> we lived in, like, a really bad place for malaria. That was just another part of the story to tell. Um, so having that taken away, not being able to have that, and whether that was healthy or not, you can decide. I don't know. Um, but I, I love the prestige of being able to say, I'm a missionary. People would come to my door in Africa they ask you, what do you do? Oh, I'm a missionary. And everybody knew. Yeah, if I, you're the only white guy on the street. People talk. Everybody knows you're the missionary. So they come to you. There's no question about what we're going to talk about, right? What we're going to share with you. I'm here for a purpose. My job is a missionary. I'm going to tell you about the gospel. Here, people come to me and they ask me, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a woodworker. I'm a teacher. I never say I'm a missionary. You know, when you think of it that way, um, I'm obviously not fully invested. 
when we say, and I'm saying to you, I'm saying to me, we are missionaries here and now, um, do we really believe that? Do, does it really hit home that we are missionaries here? Or are we just Christians that have jobs and we share the gospel if it's perfect, if it's an opportune time? Um, so I'm not throwing that on you. That's more me. Um, I'm struggling with this. I'm trying to change my worldview and my perspective. Um, but the most important thing for me now, I think today, especially for all of us, is we have 12 people, not all of them are here, but we have 12 people that we can pray for that are going, that God has called to go into a specific task in a specific place. We're here. Whether you are a missionary outside these doors, and I pray that we all are, um, we have a part to play today in praying for them and sending them properly. But us piggybacking on their mission, what God has them doing, isn't mission in it in and of itself. Um, it's a great opportunity to bless them, but we've been called to be missionaries. Um, like I said, we've been here for eight years now, and it's been tough. I live in Proctor, and I've been praying for Proctor for eight years. And to be honest, I haven't seen much fruit. And I've been like, well, what am I doing wrong? And I think we all do that. What am I doing wrong? And it's just now, maybe in the last year to six months, we're actually starting to see God do some pretty amazing stuff. It's not blow you out of the water, crazy stuff, but it's answers to prayer. Um, we're having conversations with people. We're having people for dinner that we've never had for dinner, and we're able to share our faith. We had, you know, a person just show up at our door, took the bus, and hitchhiked all the way from Nelson to our house, We'd met her once because she wanted to pray with Christians. It's sad that she had to come all the way to Proctor to get prayer, but we were happy to have her come into our house, pray. That was it. We haven't seen her since. But that to me was a huge answer to prayer that, you know, it's pretty hard to pray for eight years and see little to no results, especially when I came from, an environment where you were the white missionary and everybody came to you for prayer and everybody knew what you did and you saw miracles and you saw people's lives change. So I get how it can be frustrating or wear on us when we don't really see that day to day in our lives. But persistence, I guess, is what I'm learning. So I know you've all heard this before, um, that we need to be missionaries here in, uh, in North America, in Proctor and Nelson. And I know it doesn't always sink in because it didn't sink in for me. But I think it comes back to sort of our worldview of what a missionary is. There's a changing paradigm within the world of how missions are done. Um, the message is the same. The mission is the same. But the delivery is changing drastically. A um, hundred years ago, it was completely different the way that we did missions. Got a verse or a quote here. This is from Leslie Newbigin. He's a theologian, missionary kind of guy. Says it's no longer a matter of the simple command to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel where it has not been heard. In every nation, there are already Christian believers. The missionary calling is thus merged or dissolved into the general obligation of all Christians everywhere to fight injustice, challenge evil, and side with the oppressed. We have this notion that it's the job of the missionary to go. 
and safe. It was always, you know, 100 to 200 years ago, it was, if you're a missionary, it's because you understood the gospel and you knew there were heathens out there that needed to be saved, right? That's really what it boiled down to a long time ago. So it was the west to the east to save the lost. Um, there's Christians everywhere in the world now. There's not a country that doesn't have Christians in it. The, the, the time of being sent, living for 50 years in a country and saving them, that has, that's passed. Um, doesn't mean every corner of every country has been brought into the fold. It doesn't mean that everybody's accepted Christ. You know, there was parts of Tanzania where we lived, they'd never seen a white person, and we were the first ones in, and we were able to share the gospel with them. But the thing what I'm trying to get at is it's changed. The, there's always going to be a need for people to go overseas, go to Ecuador, go to Africa like we did, but it's getting much more global. This mission field used to be away because everybody here was a Christian. So we sent Christians away to save the lost. Now there's Christians everywhere. And sadly, there's a lot less Christians here. So this mission field that was so far away has now come really, really, really close. It's on my street. I live on the street where that mission field is. And so do all of us. Um, so we have to change the way that we look at the mission field and the missionary in general. We have to change the way that we we represent ourselves, the way that we expect other people to uh, to do the work, because, you know, nobody else is going to do it. The thing that has changed most drastically in the last 200 years is it used to be that a missionary would go, and I, I felt this when I was in Africa, you come with some clout if you fly from a long ways away and you have a message that they've never heard. If you've never heard it, and it's the first time it's powerful. But like what I talked about for us, if you hear it repeatedly, you kind of glaze over and you kind of miss how powerful it really is. Um, it's more now not about telling people about God. It's showing them in your lives what it really means to be a Christian. And I think we're at that cusp where we need to switch from, you know, going and telling to showing people our faith, actually living it out. You know, when I said that, you know, the entire world has Christians in it, there's not a country that uh, doesn't have Christians, you know, your first response might have been, well, sweet, we're done. We don't have to do anymore. And obviously, if you guys are going to Ecuador, and we're here, and, and you're going to Ecuador in two more years, there's, there's work to be done. If you're not going to Ecuador, don't be worried that God's not using you. God has a plan for you here. And there might be some of you sitting there saying, wow, I'm relieved I'm not going to Ecuador. God's not using me. You know, there's going to Ecuador, going overseas isn't for everybody. God's going to use you where he has you. And I'm coming to the realization that it's not by chance that I live in Proctor and it's not by chance that I'm a part of this church. Um, the longer I am spending time with God, I realize I have a lot less control than I think I do. Uh, I don't think it's by chance that I'm here. I don't think it's by chance that the people that we have for dinner are the people that we have for dinner. Um, it's, 
You're part of something bigger, and we need to grasp that. Um, make sure I didn't miss anything. So, like I said, for those going to Ecuador, I want to bless you guys. I want to send you guys knowing that uh, you're going to be prayed for uh, by me. I know there's a lot of other people here. Uh, I'll try not to be too envious because I want to be there with you, but that's not where God has me. Um, but for us who are left here, I started this off with saying we answered a call. Blair talked about a call. You're probably here because you answered yes. So the next thing is, what next? Well, what next is everything that we just talked about. Um, you can't just say yes and go about your life expecting somebody else to do the work. Uh, there's just not enough people to do the work. I've heard it said, you know, lots of theologians and philosophers have said, Christian philosophers have said, you know, if there's enough people in our generation, Christians in our generation, that if they truly took the call serious, everybody in the world could be evangelized. Everybody in the world would know Jesus, you know, have a chance to at least accept. I'm not saying everybody's going to become a Christian. We know that's not the reality of it. Um, that's not even really our goal. Our goal is to do what we've been commanded by our God, to, to go, share our story, tell them that we love them, and pray for them. The rest is really not up to us. The time of uh, full-time missionaries is its not over. I don't want you to feel that I said full-time missionary work overseas. I'm not saying that's not worth the time, and I'm not saying it's over. I'm just saying it's going back to, way it, to the way it was meant to be. The first century church... Everybody was a missionary. Everybody was a full-time missionary. Whether you feel it or not, and I'm coming to grips with it still, we are full-time missionaries here. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to stress anyone out. Every time I come up here, I'm like, man, I hope I didn't stress them out or I hope I didn't mess with them. Maybe it's just me. Like, maybe I'm stressed out because I realize, oh, my gosh, now I'm a full-time missionary and i got to go to work and i got three kids and i got this and i got a mortgage it's, it was a lot easier being a missionary overseas than it is here, to be honest. Um, but I am envious of you. So. I want you to get that we've been given a task that really isn't that complicated, that God has entrusted us. You know, jumping back even two weeks ago to Jesse, where he talked about God wants to partner with us. God has a desire. His will is going to be done in this world. Sometimes, whether or not we participate, but there are a lot of things, the vast majority of things, that if we don't participate, either in prayer or actually being willing to go, they're not going to happen. I have one last quote for you guys. If you found a cure for cancer, wouldn't it be inconceivable to hide it from the rest of mankind? How much more inconceivable to keep silent the cure from the eternal wages of death? That's really what we're dealing with, you know. That's, we've got it. We just gotta share it, so.